Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast, your fortnightly catch-up on what's happening in the world of Irish film. Stay tuned for the latest Irish film news and interviews with some of the best names the Irish film industry has to offer. I'm Luke Brannigan and I'm joined with Jerry Maguire. And in this week's episode, we'll be sharing a Q&A from our preview screening of Sinead O'Shea's new documentary, Pray For Our Sinners, which took place on Wednesday evening at the Curzon in Soho. This was also hosted by the wonderful Annie Mack. But before we dive into the interview, let's catch up with what's been going on in the world's Irish film for the last couple of weeks. Um, how was the Q&A, Jerry? I was raging. I wasn't able to be there. How did it go? Yeah, it was really nice, actually. Um, we had a very engaged audience and a really kind of like, you know, like you can tell where people are really intrigued by the film when they start asking questions afterwards. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, it's always so nice when you don't have like a, a, a complete lull, you know, when you have people ready and waiting to ask questions and yeah. and to really get into discussions yeah. about the film. But do you know what? Like Sinead says this in the Q&A as well. Like she did the hometown premiere the night before in in Navin and actually the person who is hosting the Q&A asked everyone you know is there any questions and nobody said anything but I think it's because it was like a hometown thing and apparently a lot of people did come up to her afterwards and ask her lots of yeah. questions but they were all quite nervous about talking about themselves in a way because it's set in Navin so that's so interesting yeah, that it's <laughs> yeah it's it's easier to be that kind of have that degree of separation to, yeah. to dive into things a bit more. That's so interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so Pray for Our Sinners um, obviously came out this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. along with a very different style of film, the new reboot of Evil Dead, uh, Evil Dead Rise, directed, written and directed by Lee Cronin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both out this weekend. Um, and I mean, Evil Dead Rise shouldn't have a problem because it has loads of press and, and yeah. it obviously has that following um, of horror fans and, yeah. and Evil Dead fans. Um, but definitely it would be brilliant for, for people to, to go and support Pray For Our Sinners. Yeah, um, and go and see it in, in the big screen for sure yeah but talking about going and seeing stuff in the big screen I yeah. did go and see a press um, screening of Evil Dead Rise on Tuesday at 10am um, so you went to watch probably one of the goriest films of the year like just after breakfast it was a lot I'm actually glad I didn't have any breakfast to be honest <laughs> It wasn't planned. I just got up too late. I was like, oh, crap, I can't have any breakfast. Whatever, it's fine. And I've never been more glad of having an empty stomach. It was wild. I like it did get to a point where there was so much blood that I actually just didn't see blood anymore. (laughs) And um, and I mean, I just I hadn't even had a coffee yet. It was a lot for 10 a.m. And then it was also weird coming out of the cinema into the daylight as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, But I have to say it was it was brilliant. I loved it. I'm such a horror fan anyway. So I really, really did love it. And I really feel like Lee stuck to the core of the Evil Dead, um, you know, franchise, but then yeah. also really put his own kind of fresh spin on it as well. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we're really trying to to nail down Lee at the moment. He's obviously incredibly busy with the press of the film, yeah. uh, but fingers crossed we can get him nailed down because I'd love to chat from a bit. Because also as well, I wonder 
is it so intimidating to come on to something like that that's been going for so long you know what yeah. I mean to come on to, to like a franchise like that I mean still yeah. feel original but also you know please all of the fans and the followers that have been there yeah. since since the start so it would be really really interesting and good to get him on here for a chat mm. so fingers crossed we can do that for you guys um, but we also had a few film trailer drops this week Yes, there was a few fairly high-profile Irish film trailer drops. Um, I think all in the last week or so, if not before that. Yeah, I think all in the last week. Um, first one that we spotted was Sunlight, which is the debut feature from director Claire Dix. It was at Glasgow and Dublin Film Festivals earlier this year. Uh, Sunlight features Barry Ward, who you might know from Extraordinary and Dating Amber. Um, and it's got Liam Carney, who's best known for his roles in Braveheart and in The Commitments, and a really nice supporting act from Maureen Beatty from Outlander and Doctor Who. There's loads of other people in it, like, but I mean, so it's actually a really nice wee kind of Dublin-centric cast, or, I mean, Barry's not from Dublin, but like, you know, it's just kind of set in, in North Dublin. It's just a feel-good film of sorts in that, like, it deals with some heavy subject matter, but does it in quite a... A light way. It's about a carer who spends one last day with his kind of friend and mentor before he dies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like it. the Irish are really good at that kind of thing. Well, I feel like heavy topics. He's dealing with heavy topics, but making it quite hilarious. Yeah, well, that's what we do, isn't it? We just like yeah, we joke about our trauma. <laughs> mm. It's the only way to deal with it, Jerry. It's yeah. the only way to deal with it. We're all we're all like generationally traumatized. I was like, yeah. <laughs> did you live through the troubles? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was um there was an article out recently. I think it's it's been like thirty years since um the film The Snapper. Oh, and yeah. it's kind of a reflection on what it looks like, what it would look like now. And it's so interesting. And I think actually it was it was actually so ahead of its time. Like I was fortunate enough to be in the play revival um, here in Dublin. But and even at the time, I remember in the rehearsal room and also, interestingly enough, at the same time while we were rehearsing the play, it was also the time of repeal as well in, in oh. Dublin, in Ireland. So it was just, it was a very loaded. There was kind of a lot. Um, it was just a really, really big conversation. But like that, you know, yeah, I just don't know if it was done now, it would be just be such a different story. But one thing that I think everyone really took from it was just how brave the women are in it and how kind of brazen yeah. they are and how not, not ashamed and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I think I might go back and watch it now. It's just, it's, it's such an interesting thing. Yeah. Roddy Doyle, I think, was just so, so brilliant. Yeah. Is. He's still he's, alive. He's, he he's is very still very, very brilliant. <laughs> um, another film trailer that was dropped uh, is The Miracle Club, yeah. uh, the new film from Thaddeus O'Sullivan, um, who also directed Ordinary uh, Decent Criminal. Uh, it features Maggie Smith, Kathy Bates, Laura Linney, and Stephen Ray, um, and also Marco Halloran was in there as well, friend of the festival. Oh, yeah. We had for a QA. Marks and Sunlight um, as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a group of women who go on a pilgrimage to Lourdes. Now, mm. is this going to be a lot of fun? Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Is it going to be the most incredible piece of cinema you'll ever see? Probably not, but who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Some dodgy accents here and there. Yeah, I was just going to raise the accents thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But hey, Kathy Bates, I mean, and I mean Maggie Smith, I won't hear a bad word said about Maggie. Exactly. She can do whatever she likes. Yeah. She's worked hard enough now. <laughs> um, and so I actually, I will probably guiltily be going to see that one for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that was out this week was The Last Voyage of the, Demeter? I keep saying Dementor. Dementor? Demeter? Demeter? Because I, I heard the guy okay Liam Cunningham's got in this and he does like a voiceover in the trailer mm-hmm. and, he, and he pronounces it Demeter but I always in my head when I've read this because it's like there's a chapter of Bram Stoker's Dracula called The Last Voyage of the of the Demeter but up until basically today I've been calling it the Demeter I didn't know that there was well a... I mean I'm completely wrong because there's no N in there I think I just keep hearing my mom like, saying you're in your Harry Potter phase you're a dramatic <laughs> So the last voyage of the Demeter, it's got Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones, Ashley Franciosi is in it, uh, Chris Wally, who you might know from Young Offenders and 1917. Was Chris Wally in Unwelcome as well? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Do you need to laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up now. I think what are you asking me? Unwelcome. He's in. He was in Unwelcome. Well done. Yeah, I remember him. But yeah, and it, I mean, it looks like a really good sort of action horror, mm. ad, you know, adventure thing um, with a proper badass looking Dracula in it as well, which is pretty good. Yeah. No, it, that that looks really fun and like a really nice kind of big spectacle. Um, I feel like it could be just like a good, a good solid popcorn. Yeah, exactly. Trip to the cinema. Um, also, some big news in um, from Michael Fassbender. He's coming back. He's mm. coming back. Finally, um, in a film, he's going to be coming back in a film directed by James Marsh, who won an Oscar for The Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is Nightboat to Tangier, and it also features Donald Gleeson and Ruth Nega as well. So, really strong Irish cast there. Yeah. Um, but how wild! Fassbender's been focusing on his driving career the yeah. last while. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine being like a famous Hollywood actor and just being like, yeah, I'm like one of the most um, popular, well-paid men in the world. But you know what I've always wanted to do is just mm. to be a race car driver and then yeah. and then actually go in and be in a race car driver for like five years. I mean, he's been driving for Porsche. Have it's you seen like his the equivalent, It's like the equivalent of me turning down an audition just to do my driving tests. Like... <laughs> Like, it's just like that, yeah. It's, it's the just, exact same. Yeah. Exact same. Um, <laughs> but have you seen like he's he's got this massive YouTube series um, called uh, I think it's Porsche that he drives for, and it's Porsche the Road to Le Mans because he's been like he was training for the Le Mans twenty four hour. Um, I don't know. And, yeah, it's like a massive like it's got millions of subscribers, and that's just that's what he's been doing for like a few years. Wow. racing cars and making that's been his thing that's kept him like on camera is the YouTube series oh my god yeah, yeah no I'm definitely going to get that to watch that's cool um, uh, in Irish Film London news uh, we still have the tour of North Circular yep it's on sale around the country right now so that's coming up quite quickly actually 
We are at the Tyneside Cinema in Newcastle on Friday 28th of April, Glasgow Film Theatre on Saturday 29th, The Cameo in Edinburgh on Sunday 30th, and we've just confirmed Aidan O'Rourke to be our Q&A host. You might remember Aidan from Ballad of a Great Disordered Heart, which we had at Irish Film Festival London in 2022. So Aidan will be down there chatting to Luke, and I believe he is bringing his fiddle. So come oh. on down for that. That should be a good crack. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, and then the following night, we're like four nights in a row on that one. The following night, we're on Dundee, 1st of May. Um, tickets are on sale for that now uh, at the Dundee Contemporary Arts Centre. Uh, yeah, and after that, we're taking a very long train ride down to London to go home. Um, and then what's on after that? Nothing Compares is on then Wednesday that week. Uh, that's May the 3rd at the Rio in Dalston. Tickets are on sale for that now. Actually, quite strong pre-sales for that. I mean, the Rio is massive, so it's not going to sell out. But, like, please come down and check mm. that out. Catherine Ferguson will be there for a Q&A. There is... Many- and she is, like, so hard to nail down as well. So that's amazing that she's going to be there. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really great. We're. I think that there's going to be, like, a little networking event after that one as well. So just mm-hmm. check out the IFL website for all of that stuff this week. Amazing, brilliant. So yeah, do remember, go and check out all of this. You can find all of the information at irishfilmlondon.com forward slash events to find ticket links or to look up the cinema website for each city. And make sure to tell a friend. I mean, if you are not in Glasgow, send your family, send your friends, uh, bring along friends with you, uh, especially if there's a bit of a networking event on After Nothing Paris. That would be really, really great to see you guys there. And then also always important to plug as well uh, for filmmakers, our submissions are now open for the Irish Film Festival London in November. That's right. So you can only submit your film via Film Freeway. Uh, Early bird rates are available until the middle of May. So you've actually only got another couple of weeks to get the best value from money from submitting. Um, I will say that submissions are already really strong. So thank you to everyone who listens who has sent their film in to us. We really appreciate it. It's shaping up to be a good festival already. Um, So just head to filmfreeway.com forward slash Irish Film Festival London or search for Irish Film Festival London in Film Freeway and you'll find us. Enter your film for a chance to screen at the UK's largest festival of Irish film culture. Not to toot our own own horn, but toot toot. Toot toot. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, all selected films are automatically in the running for the Irish Film London Awards, which take place in the Embassy of Ireland in Victoria, courtesy of Ambassador Martin Fraser, which is always great crack if I do say so myself and um, yeah it's just so great I can't believe it's coming around again we're here again I know. Um, but it's going to be great and then over the summer there's going to be I mean festival seasons are going to be kicking off again and myself and Jerry are just going to have to go incognito and you know and go and uh, <laughs> and research for all you guys um, but it's going to be it's going to be great So this week's interview is taken from our preview screening of Sinead O'Shea's Pray for Our Sinners, which took place at the Curzon Soho uh, on Wednesday evening, which I had said. And we're just so excited to have the DJ and presenter, Annie Mack, join us to host that conversation. Yeah. So as we said, it was a really engaged, interesting conversation. Uh, Probably worth mentioning in this Q&A, they're obviously discussing the film with an audience that just watched it. So it makes a lot more sense to listen to this one 
else you've watched the film too otherwise you might get a little bit lost listening to people chat about the characters from this documentary who are all part of the tapestry of resisting the status quo in Navin during the time that Sinead's film covers uh, but Pray For Our Sinners is out in the UK and Ireland today Friday 21st of April so as with our previous episodes if you don't want to hear any spoilers bookmark this podcast or pause at this point and come back to it after you've been to see it at a cinema near you otherwise give it a whirl and enjoy the conversation definitely and it's also worth giving people a content warning here too this chat discusses topics which include institutional abuse and specifically the topics of the mother and baby homes and corporal punishment Uh, so just a little content warning for you guys there but we really hope that you enjoy this episode and we will see you very very soon thanks jerry thanks neve If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish films to audiences all over the UK, and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films, and invites to networking events and so much more. So check it out now. Another way of supporting IFL is heading over to our Ko-fi donation page, which you can find at ko-fi.com forward slash IFL podcast, where you can chuck us the price of a cup of coffee or even better, a pint. If you value what we do and think, I'd like to buy these guys a cup of coffee if I meet them, well, now you can. I just feel angry with the people who tore up this whole empire. And the whole empire designated to punishing girls. I want to tell a story about a small town, my hometown, which is in the middle of Ireland. It's a story about power and resistance. It was just so unusual for anybody to speak out in those days. They're mad about me showing up the Christian brothers. No, I wouldn't go to mother and baby home. No newspaper in Ireland had the balls to publish anything against them. The problem is exaggerated beyond doubt. Have you ever been in a classroom in school where slapping was not done? No. Phone calls clear out of Navan. One morning we came down and the four tires in the car were slashed. They probably thought they'd win with me in the finish, you know, and that I'd throw in the towel and say, this is it, but it wasn't going to go to be that way, you know. I said all along, she doesn't need a home. She has a home. We were breaking the law at this stage. I didn't even care. I think we should all give Sinead another round of applause for that, please. How are you watching that in the context of in, in the cinema? Like, how is it seeing it again and again? Do you get more from it every time? Um, maybe. Oh, I thought that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it was you. No one else. Um, 
some yeah there's some things I mean, the edit was very painstaking it was a bit of a nightmare we we didn't have enough budget so right. there would be maybe a month between a day between two days of, of an edit which is no way to work yeah so for that month I would just be thinking and thinking about every edit in the film so I, I do know it quite well isn't really the answer to your question but yeah I suppose are you able to zoom out enough from the kind of granular details of making it to see there's it? a couple of things I would still just go Ugh, but I yeah. couldn't yeah get you know because the budget was so small I just couldn't get back into the edit mm. I just think it would flow slightly nice in a slightly nicer way <laughs> if we could just do that but it really is not the point of the film yes so yes I, have to, like, I mean it is move on. <laughs> congratulations to you it is the most beautiful and gentle but also flooring film like it really just gets you and, and you're, you're able to put a po your point across in such a way that is not you know kind of um forceful it's just well it's just using real people and real stories I yeah suppose. yeah I guess um you know the people are just so brilliant who so are at brilliant. the center of it so all you're trying to do is just capture that and honor so, them yeah, yeah exactly so honor them. so when was the first kind of spark of you thinking I need to get my camera out this could be something this could be a documentary yeah well Weirdly, I have actually very bad instincts about everything. Right. <laughs> so this came to me and I was like, mm, I don't know. Um, so I'd started making something else. I, I'd made my first feature um, about a family in Derry. It was called yeah. The Mother Brings Her Son to Be Shot. And um, I was kind of thinking about what to do next. And I had started something else. And then, as I say, an old school friend said to me, mm. you should have a look at Paddy Randall's and his career. She was the mayor of Navan at the time and she was campaigning to get a bench erected in his oh, honor. Wow. And that was like a whole saga <laughs> without getting too indiscreet. So the bench was finally placed there. And she said, he did so much work in corporate punishment, you should look into it. And yeah. so I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I met Mary and Mary, you know, she's utterly charming. I think maybe a few of her friends are here, but like, I mean, she's, she is so delightful, mm. but she is also completely obsessed with deflecting any attention from herself. Yeah. Um, so she told me lots about Paddy and she was very excited for a film to be made about Paddy. Right. And so we kind of continued having nice chats for a few years. And then the Mother and Baby Home Report came out in 2021 and she was very incensed by it. And so she started giving out to me saying, you know, I think of all those women I used to hide downstairs and I said what women Mary and I wonder would she ever have mentioned it to wow. me if it wasn't for the report and then slowly I began to realize no Mary is really central to this yeah. um and this film as magnificent as Paddy was this film can't be just about Paddy it has to mm. be Paddy and Mary um and so yeah it moved from there I mean because she had helped people so profoundly when I asked them if they'd like to participate, when she asked them, in fact, they just immediately said yes. Right, okay. Which is very rare in documentary too. Normally you're just cajoling people yeah. for kind of years yeah. or they go missing. But in this case, they said they'd love to do it straight away and that's very unusual. So, so that she had their trust. Completely. Yeah. And so I was the very fortunate recipient of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you feel about, I mean, you mentioned it in the film, about going back to your hometown and this kind of anxiety of, 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 of turning over stones and exposing secrets. I mean, 
I suppose, as you said, there's a kind of entrenched fear of rocking the boat, yeah. isn't there? And, on. and even just speaking out, we're allergic to it. So, I mean, just well done for you making this and putting this all together in such a succinct way. But how was the act of doing that? Um, I mean, it was okay when we were filming around town because nobody knew what, what we you were, were doing, doing particularly right. it's kind of now that the, <laughs> the game's up so we had a screening in Navin last night I mean I've, I've kind of mixed feelings because a part of me feels a little fraudulent because I did leave there when I was 17 and you mm. know I hightailed it to Dublin I was, went to London then and so I haven't spent much time there since and yet I kind of and I think it's the same for everyone's childhood place I'm kind of obsessed with it. Like I kind of very much invoke very it constantly. Much that, yeah. <laughs> People are like you haven't lived there for yeah. 25 years. Anyway, so it's I had always wanted to, I suppose, honor that and be more ingenuous about where I was from. So yeah. that was part motivation. But you know, my sisters, they're very, you know, settled there. In fact, my sister is a teacher in that school where Norman stands outside wow. and he's pointing to the classroom. She was telling me last night where she was teaching at the time. So, you know, it really is that small a community. Um, so I, I was, I suppose, as I say in the film, I was just more concerned about the consequences for them who are just such lovely people and really very far removed from those kinds of scandals. Yeah. And do you think there will be any, you know, not naysayers, but, but people... Yeah. <laughs> so we had the screening in Navin last night and mm. so the the host who was wonderful she's um political journalist from Trim it was just kind of the perfect combination mm. and Trim is close to Navin mm. and um she turned to the audience she said does any of any questions there's this dead silence <laughs> and so you won't and repeat that tonight I won't question yeah, please don't because I've kind of used up all my chat yeah. um, but uh yeah, so it was completely silent. And actually the same happened in Derry the first time we filmed A Mother Brings. And mm. I think sometimes when things are too close, no one, it's kind of a, a question of decorum, I think too. Like, it's really no exaggeration to say that, you know, where I'm from, it does pride itself on quietness and it's very anti-showboating, you know, and it's the flip side is it's quite anti-tenderness I would say but also yeah. there's a delightful lack of sentimentality I think also to that mm. it's a very modest place so I I actually think as, asking questions in the Q&A would be considered a bit pretentious so I think that Over was there. Yeah. an issue as well yeah yeah I mean it really is so powerful I suppose because it is all contained into this one town and as as we're constantly reminded during the documentary this was happening all over the country but to see it kind of focused on one town it kind of strengthens the the effectiveness of it did you consider taking it out of Navan or was it so nice and neat to be there yeah it was I really loved yeah. the symmetry of it all that sounds quite mercenary but I did yeah. like that it was all in one place and it was the place where I was from I have to say I'm from the countryside outside of Navan because <laughs> in Navan people would make that distinction you know you're from mm. the town you're from the country yeah and um, so I'm more from the country um but yeah I did love the symmetry um Ehna was the final person that we found for it and I work very closely with a man called Endo Dowd he's a camera person for me sometimes and an editor and I just remember us driving back to Dublin and just 
kind of high as kites. We were like, we have found the best people. Like, After meeting is, Ethna. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah. like, that's it. It's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's yeah. perfect. Uh, which, sorry, that probably sounds really modest. No, it doesn't. From a it technical doesn't. editing yeah. point of view, you're just like, okay, because we knew the corporal punishment story was a fantastic story, you know, in, yeah. in cold terms, but could it sustain a feature? Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Any bit. Um, intensive <laughs> well I mean it's so it's it's incredible because it 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 kind of it, it shows every corner every dark corner of yeah of the I really I liked I just really liked that and then I ultimately as well came to really love Father Farrell's part in it too yeah. you know because I was so down on him and I just assumed he was an absolute deviant like mm. I I assumed dreadful things really about mm. him in retrospect um but it was you know that poor man who sourced that videotape for me, you know, for months, you know, he was saying, you've got to see it. And I just thought he was really a bit crazy. I yeah. was unconscious this has been recorded and he'll probably hear this. But yeah. I, um, I could not understand his zeal to get me this tape. And then when I watched it, I was like, yeah. Like, I, again, that's a speech I've watched a million times in the edit. And every time I can totally get it. I understand why the whole town stood up Just and be cheered. enchanted by him. Yeah, yeah so completely. charismatic. Yeah. yeah. And was it important for you to have that as the kind of, well, not the fully parting. I mean, we have Jolene's new calf at the end. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but in terms of towards the end of the film, was it important for you to place it there? Yeah, I'd always been hoping initially to have some kind of finale uh, which would be father farrell centered and i had quite a weak one just centered around the credit union <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. just really quite weak and then when the tape came about yeah. um i i we just really loved it um i mean it, like i would just love to just release the tape and cut because it's just so funny the presents he's given they're, they're just oh, so gosh. lavish and yeah. like they are shaking with excitement about his reaction to each present and yeah. he's actually really upset about leaving so he's just like oh yeah okay i mean the facial the expressions time. before i know I mean, he's it's so fascinating what, he's so he, animated yeah. <laughs> but, but before he speaks when he doesn't know he's being watched kind of yeah and he's sitting there and you're right he's kind there's a he's really upset i weirdly so he has some real super fans in the town and so they passed on this kind of memoir it's this booklet essentially that he had written and so he speaks very movingly of the decision to move him from Navan Parish and so he arrived in his next parish which was King's Court and he wept all night he couldn't sleep he just wept and wept and wept like he was a very emotional character mm. so he's very distressed actually in that mm. video but then the car cheers him up I think quite mm. a lot <laughs> even he's like what yeah what's going what on have you done yeah Navan was quite poor in the 80s yeah it's very funny um so talking about these, I mean, these quiet heroes, these unassuming, amazing people that make this documentary, I wondered what you thought about, you know, your, your, the Randalls. Like, what is it about them? I mean, they were practicing Catholics. How? I had to keep emphasizing that because yeah. everyone's like, but they're Protestants. But yeah, they were important. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. And practicing. But what do you think it was about them that where they were able, they had the wisdom, as you say, to speak up against the status quo? Like what? Or even Ethna, same thing. Like, how were some people able to do it? Yeah, how they were equipped? It is, it is the question. It's fascinating because, you know, the kind of bad apple concept. Well, there's a good apple concept too, and yeah. you know, they 
they had so many knock-on effects. Um, I think I have really pondered and analysed Mary, who's so anti-analysis, but yeah. I think she was very... I think they had a wonderful marriage. I think they were madly in love with each other. And like, she's still kind of like a besotted squirrel girl when she talks about him. <laughs> so they had that. They were economically independent, which really did matter mm. in those days. Though, as Mary loudly shouted in Navin last night, it was all the rich people who left the practice yeah. when the you know, tires were being slashed and they were called communists. It was actually the rich half of Navin mm. that abandoned them, not the poorer half. Um, so. I suppose what I'm saying is wealth wasn't a guarantee of independence of thought mm. at all. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah Paddy, I think they Paddy's were like... time in England, maybe. Paddy's time in England, big. certainly. Yeah. But I do think, uh, maybe it sounds potentially a bit trite, but I do think their love for each other, they were so secure in that. And so that made them a duo and like a team was always right. better than an individual. Edna is a real outlier, you know, and she still is. Yeah. Like she's just brilliant yeah. she's so funny she's completely obsessed with her cattle so like she's telling me new names <laughs> she's actually one of them she's has been um selected for like special breeding by this center in Fermanagh. anyway she's really excited about it so like she's she's kind of really gifted with cattle and quite brilliant um i don't know i can't count for it now which is why i put it to her in the film like why yeah why yeah. were you like this? And yeah. she has no answer. She rebuffs it too. Yeah. They're just not given to analysis, yeah. self-analysis, which is interesting. It's, you know, it's very anti-self-actualization. Yeah. It has its benefits in some way. Yeah, yeah. And Norman, I mean, that whole section about Norman's experiences is just so devastating. Mm. How was it finding him and and speaking to him for he, this? He was like gearing to go. I remember right. like... When I met him, he, he said, are you ready now? And we really hadn't even set up the camera yet. You know, he was he had his whole thing ready. He was right. dying to tell that story. Right. And actually, I had chips with him last night. Like he's he's a very funny person. He's still in a way like this mischievous little boy. And I was kind of thinking, is it because it was so traumatic at that age, he you know, there. that he kind of stayed mind. that little yeah. boy because he's just telling me long stories about like <laughs> threw turpentine at sparrows in the day you know it just <laughs> that like burned them or something I was like no it's not a great story but he he's really um he's so he's actually full of kind of joie de vivre I think particularly at the moment um one slightly happy consequence of the film I think it's it's kind of quite affirmed him in yeah. a way yeah. which is good yeah validated his experience completely as well. and yeah his mom as well i what know i mean she's not around actually she's the one who really stood up as well wow. isn't she yeah so brave amazing incredibly yeah. courageous um well norman says in this film that he thinks it will be 100 years before the country changes and i was interested in what you think of that and oh, i don't and, know. and also your opinions of, of this film i mean this really is change making art like do you hope that this can actually change things i don't know does anything change anything um like maybe it'll all contribute to mm. a culture i suppose maybe without sounding too didactic that i think it's um important to just be thinking or be conscious i suppose you know mm. i do think groupthink is quite dangerous and you know that can occur within any ideology um I don't know. I mean, the church, it, 
it does control more than 90% of the it's, primary it's, and secondary it's schools. It's shocking when that statistic it's comes crazy. up. It's crazy. And even though we all know it, it's kind of, when you see it written down, it's yeah. very shocking. No, it's shocking. And you have to be such a strategist now, in Dublin at least, where I live, to get your kid into a multi-denominational school. Like, you know, yeah. you have to be really tricksy about it. Um, so that's not great. And, you know, as people say, you know, the church thinks quite long term, you know, this whole controversy over the National Maternity Hospital site, it's actually too long winded to get into. But yeah. basically, the lease will fall back to the church after 300 years, which is great as far as the church is concerned, because that's it does think quite long term. So mm. I suppose I think the church is going to church, but, like you know, this mm. it's the state that we need to mm. question. I. I actually, I don't think I am a very anti-Catholic person and I, there's a lot within Catholicism I really admire and cherish and I feel mm. very grateful yeah, to a have. a beautiful line where you talk about people losing their faith and that being a real loss. Oh, terrible. Yeah. I, yeah. I think especially for the older generation. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm actually more sceptical of the Irish state. I, I don't see the same devotion to its citizens really that is needed well listen um i really hope it can change anyone who watches it will be impossible not to be moved and and kind of infuriated and enraged in in a healthy way i think yeah hopefully um thank you for making it i'd like to put this to the floor if anyone has any questions seamus halfway down um do we have a microphone we do I'm I'm quite pretentious, so I'll ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to silence everyone with that comment. <laughs> um, thank you so much for uh, such a beautiful film. Um, I also really loved all the moments of humour in it uh, that were that really helped, I suppose, with some really tough material. Um, my question is just: Has has Mary seen the film, and, and what did she think of it when she watched? Actually, it? no, she's seen it quite a few times. She saw a rough cut. Um, but she sent me a really beautiful message this morning, actually. So she's at a screening last night and she said she felt she had really seen it again for the first time. Um, she's, she's, I have to say, she's, she's really delighted with it, actually. It's very sweet. Um, and yeah, no, she sent me a message. I was in the airport. She sent me a message saying she was crying, thinking about it, but like in a, in a happy way. It was really lovely. Um, so... Yeah, I, I feel bad because I'm dragging around to all these radio shows in Ireland and like, it's she's quite old. And <laughs> How old is she? We were trying to figure that well, out. She's well so into her she's 80s, very, she? Yeah, she's 84. I feel bad because I know her friends here, but she really does not like her age being discussed. It's so strange because she's mm. so substantial. But <laughs> she like... So the independent said she was 84 last week. She's like, how did they find out? Like, where did they get that number from? And her other uh, preoccupation is her hair. And I, I understand, you know, that you don't yeah. sometimes realise when you're being interviewed that you really yeah. are going to be on camera. Yeah. Anyway, so she's quite irritated with how many hair opportunities she squandered, basically. I, don't, I actually really get it. I think it's fair. <laughs> I mean, and it's so lovely that you two were friends. I mean, you, you talk well, friendsish. I don't know what. Sometimes I just wonder, does she hate me? Like, I just never <laughs> leave her alone. And she sends me beautiful messages, but um, she's such a polite. No, but she's, you. you've no idea how polite she is. Like, right. she sends thank you cards to everyone. You know, she hears, hears about people she probably knows who have promotions. She sends them congratulations. <laughs> like, so 
I, I can't read too much into those messages. Okay, so um, any I other questions? Stephen had a question. Stephen, hang on, there's a mic coming to you, Stephen. Hi, um, congratulations, really devastating, brilliant film. Um, but I wanted to know, when you started out uh, making it, um, whether you thought that it would expand to cover quite such a massive territory. I mean, it starts, it's all obviously in Navan, but it sort of spirals out from um, corporal punishment to the mother and baby's homes and then to this whole indictment of the theocracy. Yeah, it, it was quite, quite organic, as I was saying. So it was, first of all, it was the corporal punishment and then Mary's revelation that, you know, she'd brought contraception to Navin. And I mean, she did a lot. Like, I'm still hearing new things and I'm just going, God, you know, I could have put that in. But um, she, so it was, I guess it was just quite organic. It's interesting because it was such a small budget and it was a, it was a really unpleasant experience in a lot of ways. But ironically, the way the film evolved was very good for it, um, content-wise, creatively. That there was so stop-start, it did actually give us time to find out more things. Um, so yeah, it was. I don't know if that answers your question. How? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, documentaries, they can take a long time. Like, the dairy one took five years, but the, the subjects, you know, they went missing for two years, so that was, you know, delayed things. Um, but this one, we began in, like, spring 2021 and then finished completely. I submitted the final cut to Toronto in May 2022, so nearly, so that's by documentary standards that's incredibly quick um as soon as i started filming i'd been given development money kind of a covid relief scheme and um so i went to screen ireland to get like, the main film financing body. I, I don't know if this is a bit niche this stuff but anyway they i said um i have this i have a good news story you know about about the church and about Ireland um, and they had this scheme where they would give you money straight away but it's just a very small amount of money but they'll give it the, give you the money in weeks so that was how it was done so quickly but it was made for a hundred thousand euros which really really does not cover very many things so you don't pay yourself obviously things like that can I ask about whether you know you mentioned that there was other things that you found out since has this made you want to do more on this topic? I mean, has there been a has there been a film that's really covered the mother and baby homes in a, in a, in a, a thorough way? Oh, did this go? Yeah. Okay. Um, I do. I think Philomena is actually a very good drama. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's easier to capture certain things in drama than in documentary. Um, I do think Betty's presentation of what happened to her is so incredibly eloquent. You know, there's so few words, but yeah. it, it does tell us more than an awful lot. Story, it tells yeah. us more than that report did, actually, yeah. you know, because that report omitted a lot of the women's testimonies. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I sometimes think it would it would be interesting, you know, to make a, like a, you'd have to do a multi-part non-fiction non series, you know, going to all those things, but I'm not sure how you'd weave them all together, but I mean, you can see now what's happening with the Kerry Babies scandal, like the, 
it is extraordinarily convoluted and not very easy to summarize. But, you know, those stories, they never go away and, you know, they leave very big scars. Mm. Any more questions, please? Um, blonde girl on the edge, yeah. Uh, hi, sorry, I just want to say I really like the film, but I was just wondering, with Betty, obviously, she was quite upset in a lot of the interviews how difficult it was maybe getting her to chat about stuff? Did it take a couple of goes or was she more willing? Um, no, so I actually only encountered her twice during the film. Um, so it was quite interesting, you know, so I sat down in the kitchen, she just immediately told me that story about Shan Ross and then Mary came in and they remembered the baby being saved. And then a few months later, she told me about the birth, which she hadn't been able to remember the first time around. So there were two encounters with her and she found it very, very difficult to speak about. But as I say, I do feel she was so eloquent in what she said. And actually, Bet Betty's quite an interesting person within this film because she was the one we were always worried about the most. We were very worried about what it would mean for her when the film came out because, you know, she, the, the nuns, they were so brilliant at making other people feel responsible for the terrible things that they were doing to them. So that was exactly what was happening to Betty. She had completely internalized that. Um, and we'll see how it goes, but it, a kind of extraordinary thing, I think, has been happening with Betty. So she came to the Dublin Film Festival premiere and she brought her daughter, the daughter who'd been saved from the home. And she just had this kind of amazing time. And I mean, we were really worried about her. She was saying at one point, I didn't know there was a camera there. You know, it was like quite crazy things, but I understood it. You know, she was very worried. And, you know, she was sort of really overwhelmed, I think, with people's response. And people really showed her a lot of love from that night on. And so she came to the screening in Huffington and I, I have to say last night, you know, she had like this entourage of people. Amazing. I mean, she was, and she was like, God, I'm gonna go drinking with Mary soon. And I, she was I just so full of life yeah. and vim. And so yeah. I, I don't know, maybe like, maybe it's a traumatized response, but I, I don't know, like she really seemed Brilliant, and the daughter is thrilled with this film. I was and wondering so, what she would have thought. Imagine being a daughter I, watching. I that. know. No, she loves it. Uh, she's yeah. really pleased, and she wants to kind of because there's lots of things she wasn't quite told herself. Yeah. So she she'd like to discuss it more with her mum. But it's really funny. They, you know, Mary and I were kind of just fixated on you know what's Betty going to say but actually we we didn't have to worry about Betty um she's well we'll see I'm just really conscious of counting my chickens here but of she course, it's, yeah. it's so it seems I'm really surprised by how positive an experience it's been for let's just see yeah I mean I suppose it it it, it incited her to have to remember these things she's never remembered to confront them but also kind of process them and yeah so she maybe has it a was happy ending so i guess she it's, does you know she's, and, yeah. and maybe it was that initially she felt kind of horror struck by those memories yeah. and maybe that's why she pulled away yeah but now she's come around i i definitely think the affirmation of others really has helped her a lot yeah. Yeah. um so i'm i'm delighted for her yeah. about that any more questions please yeah
Oh, sorry, I identified so much, I won't go into my own story, but I was very impacted by Betty, and I think that's what my grave concern was, that um, aftercare, that's probably where I was going to go before this other lady spoke, because I noticed there was a disassociation at times there. Yeah. It was really yeah. powerful, you know? Yeah. And I think that takes a lot of time to come to terms with that. Uh, yeah, well. like I, the, yeah. when she says, I can't remember, I don't know. And she, she does know, but she, she can't bring herself to remember. And, you know, it's completely understandable. Mm. It's just kind of nearly unimaginable, except you do know what yes. that horror was yeah. like. But thank you very much. It really highlighted so much about the Catholic Church, about, you know, um, the brutality in the schools and stuff like that. You know, it's very much part of my era. But thank you very much. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And I think it would have been very easy to paint the father as a villain, you know, and you're so careful to, to, to kind of maintain nuance all the way through, yeah. which is real life, I suppose, isn't it? It's never that yeah. simple. It's never that binary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, easy. we'll take one last question yeah. if that's okay. And there's a guy up the back here. Um, yeah, this hand up. Sorry, we can. You can ask. Can me. we do a few more? Sorry, no, I, no, I'm we just. Should, we should wrap up. We should wrap up. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Um, Hi. Oh God. Uh, thanks so much uh, for that film. It was really, really great to um, hear all those people's stories. I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, I'm actually from Navin myself, so it was really <gasps> interesting to see that. <laughs> okay, let's in join the context. How do you know yeah. <laughs> No, not at all. Um, but I just wanted to ask, like, did you experience kind of like any backlash in terms of like when you're like researching the project or when you were kind of like re resourcing it and trying to find out that information? Like, what was what was that part of like? Mm. No, like I, you know, I just spoke to various people and um, like that man, Francis Dean, who gets me the tape, you know, I spoke to him a few times. There's a man called Michael who really loved Father Farrell. Um, he was actually a barber in town who gave me the tape. So, you know, if you just, if you just speak to enough people, but yeah, it's surprising actually. Um, there wasn't that much skepticism of me. It's funny, my family had moved there from Dublin, so I think my parents always felt like blow-ins, but I, I don't think there was quite the same skepticism towards me. Did it, did it change your perception of your childhood, making this film? Um, possibly. I, I had thought I'd do, as I said, that I'd need to acknowledge my background a bit more. Like, I was a very devout <laughs> young girl. I, yeah. You know, I prayed a lot, you mm. know, and I was very... I was constantly, you know, God was in my life. Like, it's mm. not an exaggeration. God was everywhere. You know, it was like your fish in your water and your goldfish bowl. Like, I just, I kind of spoke to God all the time. Mm. Um, so it, I suppose it gave me a bit pr of perspective on how that was maybe not so usual. I have no college friend here. I feel like that wasn't our general discourse in college. <laughs> <laughs> It was much more agnostic. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I kind of shed it really dramatically and quickly, but mm. <laughs> that had been me hitherto. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we thank you so much. I wish you the best with this film. I hope as many people as possible can you're see it. You're so good. And you can so make good to host this. Thank oh, you. Oh, such you're a pleasure, so honestly. Nice. And, and I'm similar in that I watched it and then watched it again. And like Mary, I'm just found yes. i mean we should all watch it <laughs> twice that's what that's <laughs> what's the conclusion <laughs> uh, okay. thank you so much Sinead. thank you <laughs> thank you for coming <laughs>